It's also odd uh, how a lot of religious people will just apply whatever reasoning they want onto a thing and just be like, and that's why you can't do that. And you're like, that's not an explanation like that. That doesn't make sense. Like I, I remember being told that uh, I didn't even say the words. I impl- I said MF or just said that. And they're like, that means the devil. And I'm like, okay. And then that- I talked to my buddy and he's like, Mr. Broberg's a fucking idiot. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> just that didn't anything but explaining it to you. <laughs> yeah. Hey everybody, we are back with another episode of Growing Up Christian. This one's going, uh, we're going a little off the beaten path this time. There's no intro here. We're jumping right into it with our guest, uh, Luke Severide. What's going on, Luke? What up, dudes? How we doing? Doing quite well. I was, um, I, my, my voice is probably, I don't, Casey's probably picked up on it. Uh, I might sound like I'm going through puberty uh, right now. At least it feels like that's what my voice sounds like to me. I was at a show last night and I don't go to a lot of shows anymore. And it was one of those ones that you mostly just talk to people during. So after like an hour and a half, I was like, after like three hours of talking over loud music, I woke up this morning and was like, I have no voice. We'll see how this goes later on this evening. But what bands were you seeing that you did not care for? uh, I didn't, (laughs) (laughs) I did not care for them, but it was a yellow card 20th anniversary of ocean Avenue. And Uh, I've, it's like, I, it was one of those ones where you just run into like 15 people that, you know, Ah. like you just keep running into people constantly who all grew up on the same shit. So you're just like, Oh, what's up? And you, so yeah, by after like three hours of music, you're just like, that's it. Like your voice is finished. So, uh, also before we start getting into, uh, your life, I want to know if you guys feel the same way. Cause I, I think this happens to me a lot with like high energy experiences, like a show. Right. And this is a big ordeal. I mean, it's big. It's out. It's an outdoor show. There's a lot of energy. Um, the day afterwards, I always feel like super bummed out. You're just like, do you guys, does that happen to you guys after like a cool, after being at something like that high energy where you're just like the next day, you're just like, well, I guess there's nothing interesting about anything anymore. You got like the post nut gloomies. Yeah, essentially. I don't, like, I don't know why you said gloomies. Like that just sound it makes it sound like you're stickier than more people. And I don't appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, stickier than usual. Yeah. Uh, now we have to establish baseline. Gotta clean sticky. my balloons. I mean, I unless I'm unless I'm being a sad loner boner, I usually don't have gloomies afterwards. I'm usually like, well that's uh, that was the best part of my day. Uh but I do that is I call that the the dopamine drop. It's where you have a really good weekend or something, and then just yeah, all right, you're done. Your body's like, hey man, we used up all of the joy, and we didn't, we haven't made enough to re- replace the bat, uh, replenish the battery, recharge it. So you're gonna you're gonna be bummed out on a Monday. Yeah, it's like the last day of a trip when you're like you fly out at four, and in your in your brain you're always like. Well, we fly out at four, so we can go hang out for the morning and do something fun. And then I usually just sit sit there the whole day, just like I don't care about anything. Let's just get on this plane and go home. <laughs> <laughs> Waiting to travel is one of my least favorite 
activities. It does suck. Yeah, not a fan. Uh, and speaking of travel, we actually we uh, we were trying to connect sooner, but you ended up getting a last minute trip to Hawaii, and I was yeah. really interested in asking you about how last minute trips to Hawaii come up because that sounds fucking awesome. Uh, uh, and also, I'm waiting for a last minute trip to Hawaii to present itself for me. So if like I can learn from how this happened, maybe I can okay. position myself correctly. Okay. It's a very, uh, it's a very <laughs> specific uh, set of circumstances. Let's see if you can replicate it. Uh, <laughs> basically a uh, buddy of mine, also a stand-up comedian, Andrew Rivers. Uh, he was going to be going over there to run some marijuana themed shows out there called the dope show. Uh, and he was going to run it and he was going to hang out with family and his father has been on and off having cancer for a while. So the family, him and his uh, mom couldn't go out there. And Andrew's like, well, I got these shows. And they're like, well, we'll buy your Airbnb. And Andrew's like, all right, so I'm going to be in Hawaii by myself running shows. And he's like, hey, Luke, you working this weekend? I'm like, I have a show, but I can reschedule. He's like, cool, man. I'll, uh, I need someone to help me run the show. And I've ran a bunch of pot shows before. I know how to wrangle stoned comedian <laughs> it's a skill set it is, dude it is a skill set and i've been one for a while now anyway so game recognized game i know what we're doing uh <laughs> and his dad was nice enough to like buy the airbnb and then andrew's like i got some spare you know flyer miles so i can bring you on as like a like a spare passenger because i didn't make good money on the trip it was like you know only a couple hundred bucks but like with lodging taken care of, I like, you know, I lost money, but not nearly as much. So it was like a weird working vacation. Yeah. So yeah, I had to bail on doing the podcast because I'm like, all right, That's I got to go to, what I got to go to like, Maui and I forgot to put out uh, a joint on the way out. So all the recent stuff, that might've been my fault. So my bad, y'all. <laughs> you flipped it out the window of the plane. Yeah, I was like, was little, no consequences, dude. <laughs> what a crazy time to have just left there. Yeah, yeah it was. A week ago, like I, I went to the Safeway in that town, like to get an energy drink, just be like, I want some caffeine. So it's like, I'm looking on the news. I was like, oh, I just was there like a week ago. All right. Well, that's unfortunate, but you know, shout out to mother earth trying to murder us because of what we did to her. Yeah. Mother earth is trying to fuck us up pretty much everywhere right now. It feels like, I mean, I live in Massachusetts and like a lot of uh like several weeks ago it was just looked constantly overcast because of all the smoke coming down from canada from the wildfires they had going on there yeah we uh and i'm in washington state and we've had that for the last couple of years the first year it really hit was yeah. 2020 so it was just like oh so it's just the world is the worst <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think i was up there that year it, i can't remember uh, the name of the town but yeah it was very smoky yeah Maui's such a weird place too, because like I, okay. So Maui's kind of like a bean shape and the, the like Eastern side of the Island is uh Haleakala. It's this giant volcano. It's basically just a giant cone with some like fringe around it, which is all the beaches and towns and stuff. Right. The other side, the West side is Lahaina and some of those towns. And in the middle of the West side, there's like this, big gully that's a rainforest and i remember like one time we were there we drive up into this like big ditch where this rainforest is it's a park like some sort of state park thing and everything and they get like i don't know it's like 200 inches of rain a year in here i mean it's just wet in this valley 
and you can look out the valley because it's, it's a small place, right? So you can look out the valley and see Kihei, which is like kind of like almost on the eastern side of the island. Kihei gets like 10 inches of rain a year. There's it's like a it's like a 20 fold difference in rainfall between like a place where you see the other one from. And I don't know, it's just a, it's a, such a weird freak of nature sort of uh, area. Yeah, to uh, to live on an active volcano, it's like <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> did, what, what did you do while you were there? Uh, jokes. Uh, I actually was sick the second half uh, of the trip, which was tight. Uh, like, but finished all the shows. Really, really fun shows. And then just I, I crashed because you know I probably got something while traveling. I took a COVID test, but it's like negative. I'm like, all right, well, then this is just whatever this is. Uh, but definitely, uh, you know, hung out on the beach, just ate overpriced food and, uh, told some jokes, sold some t-shirts, which is a passion of mine. Love selling t-shirts. <laughs> Flinging merch, dog. You got it. Well, I got into comedy. To the end. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was mostly just that. I mean, just did basic Hawaii stuff. And then, I don't know, like it was fun, but I don't know. I'm not much of a, uh, oh, this. it was just like, oh yeah, this is tight. I like water that's a little bit warmer. But yeah, the whole yeah. time... <laughs> It's, uh, I don't know, it's weird, and I haven't been to Hawaii since I was, like, a baby, so, like, as an adult, I'm just, it's like we basically took an entire culture and we're like, your customer service, that's what this is. Like, <laughs> just at gunpoint, we're like, you guys, you work for tips, and you're like, all right, well, you got more guns than I do, so I guess I'm going to do what you say, and then, <laughs> mahalo, <laughs> They put a little lay on you when you get up the plane, yeah. act like they think it's so cute. It's like they're all like, God, end it for me now. I mean, I, I think uh, no one gave me a lay, which was a bummer. I was really hoping to be uncomfortable while that happened. I did not yeah. want that. Like just the idea of someone being like, here you go. And you're like, because that forced customer. So I don't know if you guys have had uh, what your uh, work history is like, but like customer service and knowing it's customer service makes me just be like, can we just stop? Like, I don't, I don't want. Yeah. Yeah. Like you don't need to do this for me. I recently had to uh, deal with uh, like charter spectrum, whatever my internet. And I was like, they gave me a service I didn't want. And I had to call like four times to cancel it. And like the last time I talked to someone, then they transfer you to retention and then retention goes through the same questions that they ask you when you sign up for the product to begin with. It's like, oh, what, what do you? What kind of stuff do you watch? How many TVs do you have? How many? What are you? What are you streaming? It's like, and I go, I honestly don't want to answer any of these questions. I've already done it. I'm already paying you. Can we just get to the part where you cancel what I don't want? And she goes, unfortunately, uh, I can't do that. This is uh, this conversation is being recorded, and I am obligated to ask you these questions. And I was like, great. Well, I'm going to cut you off every time you start talking and say no and we'll just get through this faster <laughs> she's like and that was it it was just like and how many i was like i don't feel like answering that and she's like all right moving on like it was the most like fake bullshit like what are we doing why are we <laughs> i can't believe we have to do this that is customer it's, service it's not up to her at all no it's she's not just making minimum wage it's just someone someone it was a decision that someone at corporate made that someone else wrote up all these things and they also know that it's easier to keep you can annoy people into just paying you money passively. Oh, for sure i so I that's all it is I, yeah. I i did say like i did cold calls uh like telemarketing shit in college 
and it's a nightmare. So anytime I do talk to those people, I feel for the, I'm like, I'm not, I, I don't want to be the person like you're doing that for eight hours. Just like, boop, someone's on the other end of your headset and you have to just like work through it. It's awful. So when you get people who don't treat you like shit, it is a pleasure. I mean, it's a real low bar. It is. That's it. <laughs> yeah. That's it. You don't threaten to sue me and murder my family. That this is a good conversation. I mean, the podcast just started, so give me a little bit of time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I did a slightly poor introduction. Luke Severi, Severide. Fuck. I, we did it. <laughs> we did it. Uh, <laughs> Stand up comic uh, and uh, fellow metalhead. And those things blend together for you, which is what uh, tuned us into your uh, your comedy. And, and also, you're, uh, mm-hmm. yes, you're uh, currently in training to be a pastor, I believe. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. Well, I do like to speak in front of uh, large groups of people and try to convince them to think the way I think. And hopefully they feel elevated by the time they leave. So, yes. Yeah, closer They're to They're your God. flock. Yeah, you did yeah. sing a little bit of a hymn in a, one of your videos I was watching today. It was... It was a Oompa Loompa song about. <laughs> what was it? Uh... <laughs> you know, I I I enjoy adding music to stand up bits if possible. I mean, the uh, the the absurdity of it and the juxtaposition of someone aggressively saying absurd things uh, it it scratches an itch for me. <laughs> yeah. So. You did so. You grew up Christian. What kind of Christian world did you grow up in, or and where? Like, I feel like geographic, where you're located geographically, has a big impact on the type of Christianity you might have come up from. Uh, I was uh, raised Lutheran. Uh, it's the church I went to, but then also uh, went to a non-denominational private school through like fifth grade, sixth Hell grade, yeah. went to public school. So Lutheran, and then just kind of the weird hodgepodge of vague threatening jesus uh <laughs> along with math along with math yeah do they do they try to incorporate uh christianity into math do you recall into word no, problems no i mean sometimes a little bit of that was used but not too much they kind of separation of uh church and numbers um slightly <laughs> but it was kind of involved in many other things if they could if it if they could thumb some Jesus into whatever other lesson they, they would try to do it. Yeah. Yeah. That's generally the, the move. Uh, so you said a non denom I love non-denominational Christian schools because there's so little, like, it's not like there's an oversight board. You're not really responsible to anybody. Like it, they just, it's a choose your own adventure with Christian schools. Like they, they're insulated. You're basically only, I don't even know how involved the parents are a lot of times. Sometimes, it's just like, oh, I'll just pay to send my kid to a Christian school because they have this idea that it might be better for them. Um, but I I love the names of Christian schools. You don't have to call out your Christian school, but I feel like they always hang out in like a similar lane. What was the name of this Christian uh, school? Do you remember? Well, it's like a chain of them in the Pacific Northwest, uh, Cascade Christian. Okay. A chain? Uh, I didn't know they had... A- I didn't, I wasn't aware of this chain thing. I honestly thought most Christian schools were like in very like pretty independent. 
Uh, well, I mean, you just got to be good enough at uh, Christian capitalism to multiple <laughs> locations. You got to you got to franchise, baby. Uh, there franchise. was always a first subway, and they branched out from there. Um, uh, I don't know how many locations there are because I haven't paid attention in decades. Because it'd be weird if I did. Uh, but I actually have a relative that, like, I think she retired from them, but she was like a higher up in those, and very nice lady. Even if I uh, disagree on fundamental levels. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was cascade Christian and I think it had a different name and that they changed when I was a kid. I'm not sure the reason why probably had something to do with taxes. I bet. Uh, was it like a traditional, like school sort of, uh, I guess format. Cause I, I went to a Christian school and we had like it was basically like we all homeschooled in the same room. We all had like a little cubicle and we worked on these little individual books. Like, did you actually have classes with other people all learning at the same time? Yeah, it it, uh, it seemed like a fairly normal format for like an elementary school. Like uh, first, second, third, fourth grade, it was all classes of, you know, 20 to 25 students, maybe closer to 30 ish on occasion. And we usually had two to three classes per grade. So it wasn't like a huge school, but there was enough. Like I'm telling you, man, they franchised. They, they, yeah. they were, uh, and then we were constantly, uh, it's part of the reason why my parents uh, stopped having us go there is because they're paying for tuition. And then the school's like, we need to fundraise. We need to fundraise. We need to fundraise. <laughs> and it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to fundraise and you're not really paying taxes on anything either. It's a, yeah, it's a scam, it's- but you know, <laughs> Christian, I went to, I only went to a Christian school up through second grade and it, yeah, it was the same thing. And it's always, there's usually the, like the, if you teach there or you volunteer to do something, you get a slight discount on your tuition based on the amount that you may, that you commit. I don't know. It's always like, it's always that though. It's always like trying to figure out how they can get people to it's like church. You're like, I, we need people to do free labor. So that way we can keep this thing, keep this thing running. And like the pay scale is yeah. always crazy for crazy bad for private schools. It's like, uh, usually it's like parents are like, I'll teach because then my kid can go here. I don't know. I, I it's crazy to me that there's, um, there's just not a lot. They really, I mean, with private schools, like the oversight is honestly non-existent when it comes to like academic standards and teaching and shit like that. Yeah, but I mean, are you surprised? No, <laughs> no, yeah, no surprises. It's uh, it's people that fear public school system as we slowly like make it worse and worse. So <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. It's uh, I'm I'm an optimist, I guess. I'm I'm feeling pretty pretty good about the future. They're slowly ruining the country and the world and everything. <laughs> it's fantastic. Love me, love me some Jesus followers and all their fucking agendas. <laughs> did, we, did you did you have a dress code uh yes i mean it didn't really it was more uh i heard about it about the uh like junior high and high school because i had friends there and they i thought it'd be fun to like visit it but you couldn't have facial hair and i had a goatee at like 15 i was like i'm not shaving my fucking goatee you were the me. hairy kid i was what do you think based on <laughs> <of my appearance? laughs> i had to guard you in basketball like every time <laughs> was the goatee did it get in the way of you like it was usually like just the copious armpit hair and stuff it was like guarding a a, a salty mop uh, i wasn't i wasn't that bad. this beard like this 
doesn't, I mean, I'm fuzzy, but I wasn't like some 15 year old with a beard. I had a goatee and still a full head of hair. So like it, I, I hadn't fully embraced my, uh, my mammal heritage up until that point. <laughs> did the ladies like the facial hair back then? I mean, everyone did. It when you're that young. I mean, I fucked everybody. I'm just saying, like everyone was like, <laughs> oh, you, got the, "You got the thing," and I was like, "Yeah, I don't know. It's testosterone." I thought it was cool, and then I realized it also meant that this was going to go away. But I took me a couple years to realize that was the case. That is pretty common. That that's often the case, I guess. Is it like if you're if you're growing a good ass beard at sixteen, like you're more likely to lose your lose your hair. I feel like uh, the, also in general, people who can grow nice beards are look good bald. Like if I if I went bald, I would look like shit, and it would be <laughs> like I would have I would have to really like come to terms with. With my, it would be hard. I would, I would be very, very. I might even consider wigs, and I think it's unfair that like we don't consider that as an option for some men. I but, mean, it's look like a turkey, like it, a raw turkey. Because every once in a while, you do see a guy who like really just can't grow. This, they're just they don't have alopecia, but they're bald everywhere, and you're just like that. It, it's just not fair. Like there's sometimes you see people. And you go, that's not fair. Your head does a lot of weird things. Like it squiggles a lot. And uh, mine, has a, cool, mine has like a dip uh, in it. And it's just. Uh, your parents just, uh, put you to bed on top of your head. Maybe. Uh, <laughs> I was, I mean, some of it, I, I was dropped, you know, uh, on uh, cements. My, I was like, I, I tripped and my mom picked me up to console me and bring me in the house. And then she tripped walking up cement steps and then i had to go get stitches so it's like all right so i have like a really good skull because i had good parents who never dropped me yeah yeah they, that they helps. just like that's they a contributing massaged, factor they like shaped it every night intentionally when it was still soft as a baby they're like let's make this thing it, nice and round they use those little uh like you know those little uh, suction dent removers on cars they use yeah. that on my skull <laughs> just it's just too bad your parents, your mom didn't have one of those on hand. That could have changed everything. And I now and Poor I would parenting in so life. many regards. Yeah. If the one thing they could have done differently was that, I think <laughs> then things would have been fine. So you left in fifth grade, you said? Yes. Uh, that was the last year I went to private school and then sixth grade was public school. That's a fun culture shock. Yeah. Uh, and then basically public school there on out what was uh what was and most noticeable culture shock wise where you're like this is not what i'm used to uh, you get called any words <laughs> well yeah learning new words i guess but also uh i remember this stuck out in my mind is that uh sixth grade it was like during lunch or something and we'd earn so, you know you know they group people and then go like ah oh, if this group do you good enough behavior you earn some points which means you'll get a thing during lunch and uh, just incentivize decent behavior and yeah. small animals. Um, and uh, Pavlovian conditioning. Yeah, something like that. Just kind of just be like, if you're if you're a good boy and a good girl, you get a little treat and it'll make you a better member of society and it'll make it easier for me to wrangle you. I'm 62. I don't want to fucking deal with you. Cut a pot dogs for you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Nice teacher. Uh, I liked uh, I liked her. But I remember uh, another student was like, oh, we get to play music during, you know, lunch period because X, Y and Z. 
And she's like, oh, I got to skip this song. And I was like, you have to skip that song. She's like, oh, yeah, there's swearing in this song. And I remember just being like, there's swearing in music? Like, Because, oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, these, you know, like, that was, like, the main culture shock that, like, stuck in my mind is that, because uh, I was raised, uh, the home I was in wasn't, that sounded odd. The uh, My parents, very kind, soft-spoken, calm people. And the idea of, like, violence and profanity is just like, oh, that's just uncouthed. So... <laughs> And then also in the church, they, it's also odd uh, how a lot of religious people will just apply whatever reasoning they want onto a thing and just be like, and that's why you can't do that. And you're like, that's not an explanation like that. That doesn't make sense. Like, I, I remember being told that uh, I didn't even say the words I impl- I said MF or just said that. And they're like, that means the devil. And I'm like, OK. And then that- I talked to my buddy. and He's like. Mr. Broberg's a fucking idiot. I'm like, okay. <laughs> just that didn't anything but explaining it to you. <laughs> yeah. I, which, I mean, I get, I have a, I don't have any kids, but I have nieces and they, kids ask weird questions and you're like, ah, and I have a hard time and I actually like them. And they're not some like annoying, stinky kid with ADD just running around being like, I'm ever, and just being like, I have to formulate some sort of explanation within these guidelines so that he doesn't repeat it. And then a parent complains at me and then I lose one paycheck out of the 30 I'm making here. It's like, I get it, but also eh, go fuck yourself. You liar. Like, yeah, <laughs> Dude, I, um, I, I work as an, I'm an adjustment counselor for an element in an elementary school. And some of the shit I've seen, five and six year olds say is like i didn't i didn't think at 35 i would be blown away by the language that a kid 30 years younger than me used but it's just like holy crap you just like we had this one kid it was just like i mean obviously it's there's a lot of heavy trauma involved in some of these kids but it's like he realized quickly that if he starts saying fuck a bunch he can get out of the classroom so he was just like that's what <laughs> he's bad, doing I, yeah uh and that's it so i'm like we so we we're having uh we got a new assistant principal this is towards the end of the year and he's at the before school program and they're bringing everyone into the library to like introduce everyone to the new assistant principal and you know whatever so they're trying to get the kids out of the before like for the before school program to where they need to be so all the teachers can go in and he this kid starts getting like he gets mad about something so that's when he starts just letting loose and uh there we have two of our like aba techs just dragging him out of the library uh, and he's just like being taken out his arms are up in the air and uh their arms are under his armpits and he's just like anyone he walks by his fingers are pointing at, he's like fuck you and fuck you and fuck you fuck you too and he says that to the new assistant principal and it's just like welcome to our school <laughs> and then they bring him up to this room and he's like all right I'm ready to fight my way out of here. Which one of you bitches do I have to fuck up first? And you're like, God damn, dude, you're five. I don't know where this is coming from, but this is unruly. You should uh, punch him. be a great senator. Yeah. Right in the chest. And just be like, you know, know, try that again. Yeah. Uh, Like, do you actually think you can fight your way out of this room? For sure, he is uh, uh, just repeating behavior that is already at home. Oh, yeah. He was, uh, yeah, yeah. it would really bring down the mood if we get into the things that he's experienced. But. All right. Well, it's good so, thing you brought it up. 
We can. Yes, thank you. But either way. I mean, it's a podcast called being like what, ex-religious or whatever. Sorry, I'm bad at remembering names, but it's like I'm most people that are not religious anymore tend to uh, have come to that conclusion based off of some amount of trauma or something. And a lot of religious trauma is tied to violence or uh, or assault of some sort of or some sort of fuckery. So it's like, ah, it's all kind of in the same vein. Yeah. So, it sounds like your your parents were nice people. So like, oh, yeah. who was uh, who was not nice in that oh, environment? <laughs> I'm I'm speaking of more of the royal. Like my experiences, I've I've had a soft life. Uh, it's everything's been fine. Just the psychological uh, mind fuckery of just being raised religious and then trying to undo all that weird foundational yeah. <clears throat> uh, groundwork. Uh, but I'm just, I'm aware of the effects that they've had on, I, I've locked out. I mean, maybe something bad happened to me, but it's a repressed memory. I mean, truly, if if something bad happened to me in the past and I just don't have access to that memory, it would explain some things. <laughs> uh, uh, who so, sucked, though? Maybe not, uh, maybe not like, not uh, abusive per se, but like there was always just like annoying people around church that were just that kind of got off on being pricks to, to kids. Like uh, there was one guy named Ted Helzerman that was at our church that would just, I mean, he was old and he was really like craned over. He's dead. He now, was like right? 80. Is that oh, why he's, he's, yeah, he's been dead a long time, but he just, anytime he saw somebody smiling, I feel like it, that triggered him to like ruin it. He was awful. Everybody hated him, but he was like 90 years old and there was just nothing you could say to him. I mean, life hurts more the longer you do it. So, like, I'm not saying that justifies anything, but, like, I'm in my mid-30s now, and I'm like, oh, I'm starting to get, like, a taste of what just, like, just a baseline uh, pain of existence. And I'm like, you see, like, old people just being like, and I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 it's because it's this, but, like, with decades more of decay on top of it. All right. Yeah. That's true. Nothing like a decaying body to uh, ruin your mood. I still uh, hate him. When you were oh, in... I'm not... <laughs> I agree. I hate him as much as you want. He's dead. Find his grave. Piss <laughs> on it. None of this matters. Uh, I'm not saying that justifies any of it. I'm just going sure. like... I'm empathizing with someone who I think is probably a piece of shit. Like, you should work through... Your... I don't go around and if a kid's laughing, I'm like, I want to punch that child in the throat. Like, I'm not doing that. I'm just going like, oh, I, I get it. But at the same time... I do think a lot of uh, people go to church for a sense of community, but then also like use it as in like there's hierarchy. I am here, even though in other aspects of my life, I have nothing. No one in my family talks to me because I've been a prick their entire lives. But I go to the church and people feel compelled out of, out of a sense of obligation to the higher powers that they perceive to exist, to be kind to me. And I can be a cunt to a five-year-old who's happy just because <laughs> what are they going to do? Be rude to me? I'm going to die in two years and then they'll feel bad and have to ask for forgiveness. Fuck the <laughs> that is true. Church is like such a, it's a, it's such a great, if you're a loser, it's such a great place to be in charge. Like yeah. you can just barrel your way to the front of the room and, t and start telling people what's wrong with them. And because people are like gracious, they'll listen to you and do what you say to a, to a great extent. Depending on the church, but yeah, like 
you, you can't get one that is like a streamlined, well-oiled money-making machine. You have to get one of those like kind of wholesome trying to, to get by, you know, those like it's a, it's a, it's a mom and pop shop that's been around for a couple yeah. decades. There, the, and that's the non-denominational shit, man. That's the good stuff. Did, uh, what was your level of buy-in, man? When, so you're in elementary school, occasionally you have kids in elementary school who are like, yeah, like they're just kind of like, fuck this mentality. It's kind of like a disposition, but typically you buy into whatever you're taught, but where, where'd you fall on the spectrum of like buy-in and how, what, what level, like, uh, what your concerted efforts were to like, be a good Christian, to do what was expected, to have a relationship with with God and Jesus and all that, that where were you? Um, I mean, <clears throat> I don't know what, how exactly like to answer that. Cause I don't know what the, like, if it's like a one to 10, I, I don't know where I'd be on the scale, maybe like a seven or, or an eight. Uh, I wasn't like crazy devote. Uh, but I did think it was, uh, an aspect of reality and it didn't totally make sense all the time, but it's like everyone around me was like, well, this is this. And I didn't have enough alternatives to, it was the only reality I was aware of. And just cause it didn't make sense. Most things didn't make sense. Like, cause I was a child. That's uh, fair. And I mean, I stuck it out for a while because it was my main social groups. I was still religious even uh, into my teens uh, to a lesser extent, but that was also because that was majority of my social circles. I had some uh, uh, non-religious like friends that I'd hang out with, but it's like, oh, church was just always there. And I had a group that I'd known for years. And that's also kind of how they get you is that you're like, oh, you like if you leave, you're not going to be able to hang out with Megan and Ryan and all these other folks like like good luck with that. And so it's like this weird kind of social pressure as well. But sure. I, I kind of had been one foot out the door for a while until I finally just had a day where I was like, Oh, this is stupid. I don't want to spend any more, more of my time doing this because it so, just doesn't make sense. Did you, did you had like a real, did you have like a real one eighty where you're just like, here's the cutoff. I, I know you said one foot out the door, but like it was a, like one day you were just like, I, I guess I'm done. Yeah. I mean, it's uh it was, I was just at like youth group at like 14 or 15, something like that. And I had like a new pair of headphones and I was, uh, I was into metal at the time. Like I I'd gotten into metal music when I was like 14, 15. Um, and I was, I was at youth group and there was like, uh, you know, maybe about half, uh, about a dozen of us. And we were just kind of like nothing organized happening. And I was like, going to be like, Oh, my, uh, talking to my buddy Gabe. And I was like, Oh, I should, sh- listen to this part of the song. And then the youth pastor guy like snapped at me, like in front of everyone, just kind of like asserted like dominance type of shit. And he'd already kind of been a prick enough times that like in that moment, I was like, why am I here? Like, why am I listening to this? Like, I'm just, and like, I know the times that I was like out of line, but I was just kind of like, I was just telling Gabe to listen to a thing. And he's like, put your headphones in my office, do X, Y, and Z. And I'm, I don't enjoy being told what to do which because I'm a child, but I was like, I was like, Oh, I'm, I'm done with this. Like I'm done. I'm not having some fucking fat fuck in his thirties. <laughs> tell me what to do and not be reasonable when I'm like, Oh, I was just doing this. And then being yelled at some more where I'm like, Oh, cool. Yell at me in front of my peers. All right. Well, I don't have to be here. Suck my dick's asshole. I'm out. <laughs> Dude, that weird like snap moment where where it, it is it's like a dominance play people do that outside of out you know you'll still catch one, somebody doing that once in a while as an adult and you're just like all right 
Okay. That's who you are. So, <laughs> but yeah, like I had a youth pastor that was, he was kind of like that. He wouldn't like yell, but all of a sudden he'd like have you doing push-ups or something. <laughs> and you're like, it's he so had taught meta. boot camps for like troubled kids at some point, And like that dude, nothing made this guy hornier than like making children do push-ups. And so once in a while he'd get us with that where, you know, we're all on the, on the floor doing like scuba kicks or something, you know, for a while to the point that we just kind of look at each other at some point and we're like, this really isn't fun anymore. <laughs> you know? And why are we all doing this? That's what's crazy is like collectively you're all doing it when you don't have to. <laughs> well, it's because they're giants. We're children, they're giants, they know more than us, and it takes you a while to realize that adults don't actually know everything. Yeah, that's the fun part, when you realize, like, we're all just fucking floundering. Like, (laughs) we're all figuring out as we go. Uh, What, all right, what were, uh, what band slash uh, song were you trying to get your friend to listen to? Ooh, if I remember correctly, I think it was uh, Soulfly, and I think it was off the album Primitive. I mean, All right. that was back when it was like CDs, because I'm older than I used to be. Uh, and uh, it's very much like, oh, it's, you know, oh, track four, that, like that's... Yeah, yeah. I've always only known tracks more than I've ever actually known song. To- like, you know, when those people would like on the street, if you're wearing a band shirt, those assholes on the street are like name five of their uh, songs. Has and that then- ever actually happened to you? No, it has never happened to me, okay. but you just, it's, you still see I, you, you I mean, watch I- it on YouTube. Now you see it on TikTok, and you're like, fuck you. Someone should hit you with a train. I just, I feel, and also I, I'm not like a woman and I feel like that's a thing that happens to women more often where they're like, I'm a fan of this. And then some neck beard is going to be like, yeah, but you're not like, you're not as much as a fan as you could be a fan. And yeah. I have to, you can't be into the thing that I am into because you're hot. And if you like a thing that I like, I could maybe have a chance with you, but probably not. And so I'm going to preemptively get, reject you before you can reject me. You're, like, All right, you're well, losing yeah. my fiefdom. But I'm more than yes. happy to explain to you everything you need to know that you don't know exactly it's whatever it's just insecure people uh what are you saying sorry i just took that in a weird no you just mentioned knowing it, it being like based like oh track four and i was like yeah yes. i i never never knew al uh track titles it was always like i listened to because that's what you, you less music add then you would just like you would put in your cd and you would just listen to it and I it's like that was oh I like track three seven and nine and that was nothing there's no display telling you what it was unless you were sitting there with the fucking pamphlet and do it all otherwise that was it I mean What's I would it? do that yeah I would do that I was like all right we're gonna read the lyrics while listening while trying to understand what they're screaming about <laughs> I did I, there was a few that I would do that with I ended up at, I got I so my introduction to metal and and heavy music was like through a, a, a group of friends that I found. So there was always the, the handful of CDs that I would buy that you'd do that with, but then you would go to your friend's house and that was when you would like go to FYE and buy like the 50 pack of blank CDs. So you could just burn a bunch of shit at your friend's house. Burn it, dude. That was, those are good times. It was like, I haven't heard of this band, but I'll burn their album. I haven't heard of this one. And you just burn, burn, burn. And you just throw it on. You go, eh, that's not for me. 
or you fucking fall in love with it. I mean, I honestly, this is nostalgia is fueling a lot of this, but I feel like you appreciated the music more doing that than just being able to have it just your phone, like just, Oh, for sure. Boom. And stream it immediately. And you're like, ah, 10 seconds. And you're like, ah, I don't give a shit. You're like, no nah, man. Like my buddy, Steve, he burnt this for me. He wrote it. He wrote the track like names on the CD. I should probably listen to the whole thing. Otherwise that's like kind of a dick move. Uh, as opposed to your friend sending you a link to a Spotify album and you're just like, I'm good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I even feel like a giant piece of shit sometimes. And I check myself. Cause I'm like, I, someone mentions a band or you catch wind of it and you go to it, you pick an album, you pick like track two or three, and then you immediately skip to the middle of it. And I'm like, what am I doing? Like, just give it a shot. Give it a shot. Like you skip to the middle of a song to see if it's a banger. You skip to the middle of a song. Yeah. You you don't do that. You've never done that. You treat, you treat music, (laughs) you treat music like porn. (laughs) (laughs) You're like I like the intro seems promising, but let's see what let's let's get to the meat of it. What's he's trying to he's trying like trying to skip to the part with the uh, the underballs. Yeah, trying to get to angle, the part where it bangs. You know. <laughs> All right. Well, now we know. Now we know what part of the porn you particularly enjoy. So thank you for the the sharing. Minute seven or eight for sure. I want to I want to count some veins. Oh. <laughs> I'm not that big of a fan of counting or veins, but you know, teach their own. Don't want to, don't want to shame anyone for whatever gets them going. Dude, what's a, what's like your progression into uh heavy music? Like, where'd you start? Oh, um, uh, parents really did not listen to music. They still really don't. My dad plays trumpet. My mom doesn't play anything. They would just listen to oldies. So the idea of listening to music was kind of a foreign concept uh, growing up, very quiet home, uh, <clears throat> but not in here. And uh, got into music. Uh, I would go to a Christian uh, conference center during the summer. My parents were poor, but were able to afford that. That was like our main vacation once a year. And some of the kids there, I was, I remember it was the between seventh and eighth grade. Uh, they were listening to Nine Inch Nails, and like it's the first time I'd actually just heard some music that wasn't like a radio edit. Uh, and I was like, oh, this is, this is dope. I'm into this. And then, uh, eighth grade kind of was like, I mean, music was not readily available. I didn't have enough money to like buy stuff, but like nine inch nails, I was kind of fixated on that. And then the fragile came out, I think ninth between eighth and ninth grade. Uh, that's still, I still stand by that. That's a great album. Um, and then ninth grade, like, uh, my buddy, Steve, who uh, I don't think he's alive anymore. Turns out math can change some things for people. But a uh, very good guitar player at the time, or at least, you know, as good as a ninth grader could be. Um, but he was a big old metalhead and was like, hey, you need to check this out. And it was the uh, the self-titled Slipknot album. And uh, check that out. And uh, I was like, oh, I did not. I had not heard Double Kick before. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, that's just the sound that has been in my chest and in my head the whole just and i was like oh this is i i like this and then slipknot you know evolved into mud vein and then that kind of turned into thrashier things progressively uh with time uh so that was the that was kind of the opening moves for me as a metalhead getting into that kind of music Dude, that's a slightly gotcha. so because a lot of time like a lot of the people who grew up in christianity and how old are you 37 
yeah so you're i mean around the same age as us and it's like so many of us were like so entrenched in christianity that we just were given the right christian metal band because that when we were younger is when christian metal really like kind of overtook the scene so that that's so interesting i feel i'm I'm, i was surprised that like your shift into it wasn't through the typical that was also around the time that I uh, stopped going to church and yeah. uh, I didn't have any metal head. I didn't have anyone trying to keep me in the faith while also co-opting my uh, love of yelling. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's what it is. That's what Christian metal music is. It's just like, hey, you know how you have hate? Well, <laughs> Jesus will help alleviate that. Stay, don't, don't break the faith. Um <laughs> All that being said, I still did get into a decent amount of like Christian metal bands just because they were around and the church and is good. in me. Like and on a foundational good. level, I do enjoy. Yeah. And I, I do enjoy uh, a good hook, hooky chorus, some good sing, sing along. Like some church music does have components that are like good where you're like, oh, like some Trey sure. songs where you're like that, like certain parts where I'm like, that's good music. It's fucking stupid and means nothing. To me or anyone who, all right, now I'm sounding mean, but it's just like, it, there's a reason it was popular and uh, it just was not presented to me. It was definitely me, the pendulum swinging the other way where I'm like, oh, like I don't, I didn't want to listen to someone just praise Satan because I also thought that was stupid. I find that so, yeah. so funny that when people <laughs> abandon their faith and like go straight to the devil, I'm like, you're still buying into this narrative. You just switch sides and you chose the losing side you fucking dingus it's very reactionary (laughs) yeah and i appreciate the use of the word dingus it's a delightful word (laughs) it is great (laughs) dr steve (laughs) Steve. uh so you mentioned no one kept like so you around when you were like 14 15 you stopped going to church your uh did your parents continue to go to church and i mean my dad i did Uh, A little bit, but not my dad's a my dad was the main uh, religious one. And he's a very uh, soft spoken, nice man, Mr. Rogers. Just imagine that. Um, And my mom just kind of went with the flow. She wasn't even I I found out like in my uh, when I was like 19, 20, that she hasn't been religious the whole time. She just went along with it because she's like, well, your father likes it and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, the more was like, oh, did you know it is a mind fuck? Did you know that? (laughs) Did you know it's not good for the psyche of children and it's a form of child abuse in some ways? Uh, did you know that, Mom? Um, it's also not nice to berate people for, yeah, parents are just trying to do what parents are trying to do. Uh, I totally get that. But um, it was a little bit, but uh, I don't know. They didn't push really hard because I'm also like, I don't want to go and you can't make me. And are you physically, I'm, I'm close to your size. Are you physically going to force me into the car? And drive me to a thing I don't want to like. Good luck. I'll deadweight the shit out of you. <laughs> so your dad pulled out a cat puppet, and he's like, oh, "Are you sure you don't want to go? <laughs> Mr. Mephistopheles is going." <laughs> I mean that. Yeah, that now nah, that probably wouldn't have worked. Uh, <laughs> although I am a fan of Mr. Rogers. He's got a lot of good points. He was a Mr. Rogers is like a he was a Presbyterian pastor, but he like kept it all out. And just like let the actual tenets of Christianity, like the core philosophical uh, aspects of it, like speak through his work without having to proselytize. And I'm, I, I think that's beautiful because I do think a lot of 
I think the things that a lot of aspects of uh, religion, Christianity specifically, because that's what I know way more than other ones, because I just have had to be a part of it for a decent chunk of my life. Like the tenets of it, like are good, like treating, trying to treat those around you as you would wish to be treated is, is a good exercise in empathy. And it's a way a society should ex like a healthy society should have that as a foundational block, but it's just, that's overlooked by so many other things because it's run by people and people need to make money and do all sorts of X, Y, and Z. It's a business. So all those things go to the wayside, but I do want to just kind of be like, yo, but Mr. Rogers was dope as fuck. He's a great guy. And he actually was a good, like a Christian as a Christian should be, as opposed to the vast majority of those that we see in the media or in, in just doing whatever they do, where you're like, that's not, those aren't the tenets of Christ. Those that's the tenets of capitalist uh, Christianity. Yeah. It definitely becomes a protectionist mechanism at some point where it's like, I feel like a lot of uh, American Christianity that's loud and that you see in the media and stuff nowadays is like uh, it's, it really centers more around like protecting my way of life and my comfort zone, as opposed to like, you know, representing the principles that are supposedly the most important thing in their lives. You know, it's like, we, we you know, we need separate schools, not so that we can like somehow help a community of kids and stuff. It's like, we need separate schools to protect my kids from things that I don't you know, well, fear is easier to sell and use as a uh, motivational tool as opposed to just like calm. Hey, if we do this, things will be better. And you're like, well, that doesn't sell a headline. That doesn't make me feel like I need to donate to the cause. That makes me go, oh, right. that's nice. I don't need to be here next week. I'm good. Yeah. And the, the huge irony to fear as a selling point is like, it, it's, it gets maybe the immediate results that you want. Like if you, so if you relate it to parenting, like I have a six and seven year old and it's almost six and almost eight year old, but it's like, there's, you can use the fear, right? You can use like the, or else tactics and that gets you what you want sometimes in the moment, as long as you're willing to follow through on your threats, but it's not the most helpful as far as like developing a person and, your relationship to them. And also I was thinking about this in regards to, I just, I'm, I'm in school now um, again. And it's like, I, I just was reading this, like a, uh, like a meta analysis on how probation like impacts your bill. If you're on probation, like you're more likely to reoffend than for, than someone who, uh, went through the court system and they just were like, we're just going to wipe the slate clean. We're going to restart because you're 17 years old and you're obviously an idiot and you fucked up. And if, when you look at the comparison between kids who are like, who get that, who go, you know what? You fucked up. Let's try to, let's try to do better. Uh, we're going to wipe the slate clean and you can go on with your life. And then you look at the people who did the same shit and were put on probation. People who were put on probation and have the fear of the law behind them. It's like, if you fuck up, you're going to jail. And the people who were put on probation were way more likely to reoffend than people who were just like, had the slate wiped clean. And I think it's like, I feel like no matter where you look at it, like f using fear is a tactic. If you don't comply 
X, Y, and Z will happen and it will be bad for you. It just produces the worst results over time. Even if like in the moment you're like, oh, this should get what we want. Well, it's a, it's a short term solution that w- it works well enough. I mean, it's a tactic that is still being used today and won't stop being used anytime soon, but it is not a uh, long-term solution to the issue. Yeah. It's a, uh, hey, put those headphones away. And you're yes. like, well, I'm not coming back here again. Like, all right. Was that the Did last that time guy come after you? <laughs> did he come out? I mean, did he try mean? to like, re- did he try to like come get you and get you back into the church? Oh. Uh, he came to the high school I was going to a couple years later and like, be like, oh, hey, Luke. I'm like, hey. And I'm like, eh, I'm going to walk away. I don't need to interact. I'm, I'm good, bud. But yeah, didn't like try to track me down or nothing. He what just he... let you go, huh? Yeah, I mean, like, what was he gonna come to my house? Like, I'm good. Well, some well, of them do. I mean, <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, not not in my experience, and that's creepy. Uh, my brother, uh, the youth pastor of the church that my family went to. This was after I had left, but um, Apparently, my brother did some sort of driving infraction that this person didn't like and that the youth pastor followed him all the way home and got out of the car, like talked to my brother, talked to my parents about how he thought he was driving too close to him and his wife and they had a new baby in the car. So people do weird shit, man. I just meant like, like, oh, you, someone strayed from the flock. So like, I need to go try to reconnect with them and wrangle them back in. I feel like, uh, that would be like a normal, like a youth pastory sort of move, but. Yeah. I mean, I haven't really thought on that, that aspect of that period of time in a while. Uh, and I'm sure I have holes in my memory because that's whatever, man, that's time. And that's THC, baby. But uh, I also know that I wasn't exactly the best sheep and could probably just do a cost analysis and be like, this isn't worth my time. I don't think I don't think he's going to want to come back. And it's just going to lead to some more conflict. Like, I'll let it be what it's going to be. Wait like, three years and poke him on Facebook. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, bug him. Come across my name uh two decades later and watch some of my clips where i talk shit about your lord and savior yeah uh, <laughs> you should start mentioning those thing. people by name i mean that's not the it's you open yourself up for uh, uh legal action Bible. if you get too specific yeah yeah but it does it does make me happy realizing if like a clip goes viral or something like that i'm like oh someone who like I don't like from my past might just by happenstance have to see my stupid face yelling about something. And that delights me. Have you, <laughs> have awesome. you had anyone reach out? Have you had uh, any of these go? Vi- have you had people from your past reach out about any of your comedy? I mean, my, it, just people that already kind of been tied to me somewhat through social media to some extent. But, uh, <clears throat> but I mean, I've been doing comedy like over a decade. So most, most people from my past, I think, to some extent, are aware that I do a thing, and no one's really reached out. That's like, hey, you remember me from high school? And I'm like, I mean, no, but whatever. Or like, remember me from when you went to church? And you're like, all right, I don't know. Like, it's kind of. I think the circles already kind of been there, so it's not that big of a big of a uh, 
that's not how I want that sentence to go. I just don't think that that, that hasn't exactly happened. I would love it too, just because it would be funny. It'd be awesome. Uh, It'd be so fun. Yeah. Because also a part of at least what I'm trying to write uh, with, with a W uh, right now is like lean into more of the, uh, the, the, the overlap, the Venn diagram of like metal music being religious, the fallout from that. And then just kind of that period of time, because I, uh, not that you asked this, but I'm just going to ramble is that like, I, you know, you post some clips about metal music, it resonates, I get a bunch more followers. And then I kind of make a little jokes here and there about religious uh, aspects of it. And that also like resonates. And I'm like, oh, all of these things I haven't been talking about on stage, because by and large, most audiences aren't on board with these concepts Mm -hmm. immediately. And I usually I'm there to do a job and you can only spend so much time and energy. You have a finite amount of time to do your job. You can't spend all this time doing this exposition and trying to get these Christians on board with these concepts. But if I get an audience that's on board, I get a good recording of that bit resonating well. I put it online and hashtag it properly or do whatever. And it finds people and then you go, oh, I should lean into this subject. So like leaning into the aspect of being no, no longer religious, but being aware of the uh, the ins and outs of at least my religious experience and the religion, the the perception of Christianity or the the genre of Christianity that I had to listen to growing up and like just kind of leaning into that. I don't know. I just find that yeah. I've been doing that more lately. Uh, I don't know where the end of that rant is, but it's somewhere in there. Did Did you ever find it? hard to lean into like the metal aspect of it it, or were there challenges to digging into that topic with when it's kind of niche and maybe your audience like isn't doesn't they don't they don't listen to they don't know the music did you have to find ways to generalize it yeah i mean i've been not proactively trying to do this but i've been doing comedy stand-up comedy for 11 years and i only in the last year or two was able to figure out how to make the subject matter resonate with an audience that is not on board. But that is also tied to me being able to be louder in a way that does not alienate an audience. Like I can be seen and sound like a metalhead on stage without making them go, Um, while also having jokes where I discuss the, the pullback, but here's, like the angle that I've taken, I don't know if you guys have watched much of my material, yeah. but like the angle that I take is like, this is absurd, but I love it because X, Y, and Z, can't you understand how someone would be into this? And if you get them on board with that concept and use that as a springboard, like you like force them to empathize with you, but you also need to empathize with them in where they're coming from. Like, and then you can just go from there. It's like, once we have that, 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 uh, the, similar foundation, then I can take us elsewhere and I can get into the more niche aspects of the more nitty gritty, absurd parts of it. Um, but yeah, that's only been a recent thing, like the last year or two. Uh, but I've, I've tried and failed many, many times where I just kind of go, well, here's this little thing. And it's like, you get like three or four laughs and it's a couple dudes with like super long hair and a shitty goatee in the back <laughs> of the room. They're like, that was really funny. I'm like, cool. That's not enough people for yeah. me to keep the joke in my act. Those are the stinky adults. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, uh, don't shake their hands. Knuckle bumps. <laughs> <laughs> what was your... Uh, yeah, that's got to be frustrating sometimes because, like, it's obviously it's something that's, like, important to you. I don't know. There's got to be some frustration with that sometimes where it's like, I, I'm i not 
getting the point of this across like the the fact that this was like a part of my identity and in a in a similar way to like i don't know you know how leather vests are a, a you know a part of a, a harley guy's identity mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah i mean it's frustrating but that's also what stand-up comedy is i mean i could just say comedy in general but stand-up comedy is a art form that has to be honed in front of a live audience you can't you can't write a joke yeah. off stage. I mean, some people do, but they're writers more so than performers, but also that's a whole other subject. But I'm saying for me, at least, and a lot of other comedians is that like you, you need the audience is the instrument <clears throat> and you can't, you can't tune the instrument and figure out if the song works without the audience. And a lot of these riffs or whatever uh, are clunky at first and it takes a while to hone it. And then also to make it so that you can, do things in a way that is fluid, but also sounds good enough for someone who doesn't necessarily want to be in drop C tuning with a heavy distortion on them. But you're like, but no, it's fun. Just like, just fucking relax. Let me palm you and chug a chug a little bit. And then like, don't worry, there's going to be some weird chords in there. It's going to be nice and melodic. Just give it a minute and a half. We'll have a nice little hook. Like you'll be into it. Just just go with the flow, baby. I, I love the drop C drop. That was good. It's like you gotta hold out for the chorus. When people were, I just there was a time where everyone bragged about playing drop whatever. It's like drop D, drop like the 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 strings are just hanging off the guitar at some point. <laughs> yeah, somehow it was it was a dick measuring contest of who could have the floppiest yeah. string. And you're yeah. like, all right, all right the but. most flaccid yeah. strings. We play in drop G, dude. We don't even use B strings. This is that's an E tuned to G, and I was like, so. <laughs> sounds like the loosest butthole Just that's what electronic that buzzing at some point <laughs> and also like i'm i started playing bass as a teen and so everyone's like we're gonna tune it really low and i'm like you so i'm just gonna sound terrible yeah what am time? i doing am i lead bass yeah. now <laughs> yeah. oh shit that's, that's, just uh, take the yeah. strings off and just slap the pickups yeah <laughs> i mean <laughs> it's a full percussion <laughs> <laughs> what uh what got you into comedy what was like the moment where you're like i guess i'll fucking give this a shot uh hatred of my day job and there you i go. would be at work yelling at all my co-workers uh i used to do auto glass and i worked for uh the largest company safe flight repair safe flight replace it's fun when uh i was speaking vaguely uh on purpose uh it's fun <laughs> when was you're that right it, let me let me fucking hey bud uh <laughs> triggering me uh it's fun when your abusive ex has like a jingle that everyone knows and likes to repeat as soon as you allude to their existence <laughs> <laughs> just think I'm of sorry, the worst employer you. you've ever had and it, no sorry everyone does it everyone does, i people i would be stuck working like downtown seattle in a downpour with a tent over a car with wind trying to set a windshield by myself and hold the tent in place with like a leg. So I'm like on one leg setting the windshield, trying to hook it. And some dude walks by and was like, and I'm like, I have a fucking windshield. I can fucking chop your head off. Hate in my heart. Uh, Imagine how Menard's employees must feel. uh, Now I feel bad. I didn't know you got taunted with that while you were actively working. Oh, it's uh, yeah. But also, this is the exchange you and I just had is something that has happened anytime I mention it. 
Oh God. But you did ask what got me into comedy and it's that it's, it's the need to be able to direct this uh, pent up aggression or emotion and put it in a positive way. Uh, like give it some sort of outlet that is something decent. And I do enjoy making people laugh and I enjoy being the center of attention. And I enjoy feeling like, cause if you're making people laugh, you are accepted in the group. And, uh, I would be in the, uh, the bay in the morning, all of my coworkers were all, we look at our schedules were fucked cause I was working there during the 08, uh, financial crisis. So, you know, bank zone, safe light, all this other stuff. So everything rolls downhill. So I'm a brand new autoglass technician. I start my day off with like 10 installs and I'm like, I don't know, I can maybe do four and just the pressure of that and all my coworkers have it. And then me just kind of talking shit about how stupid and terrible all this is and getting laughs. And then I go have a terrible work day, but then just rinse, regret, repeat, and have to do it the next day. And eventually after, you know, doing all these house parties, all this stuff, people are like, you should do comedy. I'm like, all right. I thought only famous people did that. And they're like, oh, there's open mics. And I'm like, all right. So I went to one and was like, oh, I'm funnier than a bunch of these people. I'll put my name on the list the next week. And then I did. And then I was like, all right, so this is what I do. And the endorphins and dopamine and serotonin and other buzz words that hit my system after that first time, I was like, God damn, this is the best cocaine I've ever had. <laughs> it was either stand-up comedy or you just start mailing improvised explosives to uh, college professors. <laughs> I mean... I don't, I'm not mad at any college professors. I'm mad at, uh, have you picked up on the vibe of disliking corporate America? It's in the mix. Uh, uh, also, that's too much effort. I don't own a gun. I don't make explosives because this is being recorded. Uh, <laughs> that, so you, did you have like your first, but I mean, even though the, the endorphins were flowing, the first like f- bomb, like, right, did you have that? Yeah. Uh, my first bomb actually, uh, happened about a month into me doing open mics and it was on a Wednesday. Uh, and it was the Wednesday after I said that backwards. Uh, I did an open mic on a Monday about a month into me doing stand up comedy and had a very good set. Like just, I'm like, I just crushed. Uh, and it happens a lot of times with like new comics where they just have a good energy and they're able to just ride the wave of the audience and play it out. They don't know what they're doing, but they're doing it well. And so I had a great set. And then Wednesday, I was like, let's run it back, do the exact same thing. I, but I was in a different venue. It's a different audience. The, all the things that led up to me doing well on a Monday didn't necessarily happen on that Wednesday. And I just ate so much silence. And he's just like, but that's also learning. It's just yeah. going, oh, you can't just say the same thing and think it's going to have the same results in front of a completely different group of strangers. So, yeah, that was the first bomb that I had. And honestly, if I found the recording, which I probably have somewhere on some old phone, it wasn't even that bad. But by comparison, just knowing that I did this and it was so good and then I do it again and just being like, Woof, like so much worse. Yeah, I've yeah. been to a few open mics and it seems like uh, there's also like uh, a sweet spot where you want to be in the order. To where yeah. like everybody's used up a lot of their goodwill by the time you get to the end of the show. If you're going last after like three weirdos in a row, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's what's brutal. the problem. Problem with an open mic is that it just it's whoever signed up. There's no no one curated the list for the most part in most places, uh, and so it is just it can just be 
edgelord, 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 crazy person, <laughs> crazy person, super angry woman, edgelord, just boom, boom, boom. And he was like, I right, dude, this is way too much like sexual assault and just, just stories of being a degenerate, but with no, like no upswing whatsoever, like nothing redeeming. You're just up there saying terrible things about how you yeah. hate your wife. And you're like, okay. Uh, yeah. It's like when people get on the nose with certain types of like dark humor without nuance, it's like a disaster. Potentially, but also like, that's what the game is, man. Like that's open mics are where the sausage gets made. Like you can see someone and you're like, that person was terrible. And you're like, yeah, that's set. Uh, you got to give them like another year or two of that and, or three or four or five or 10. And as long as they're trying to learn from the silence, like they can improve. Like a lot of, a lot of comics that you like now, you just like seeing the finished product. Like if you saw them at the beginning, you'd probably be like, what was that? And you're like the it's, they have to listen to themselves and follow what they perceive to be funny, but they need to factor in what the audience is missing. Just go back to what we were talking about earlier. Uh, I kind of ping ponged away. Um, but you're talking about like an audience not getting the thing that I'm talking about. I, the way I see comedy, it's it's an algebra problem that you are presenting to an audience for them to solve. They're trying to solve for why. When it's like, why is this going to make me laugh? But you need to give them enough known uh, numbers. It's been too long since I've done algebra. So this analogy doesn't really hold much water. Uh <laughs> But I know I'm right. I just don't yeah, know how to articulate it. But like, right. you can't be like A plus B equals Y without having what A or B is. Like yeah, you yeah. have to give them enough. And you have to give them enough that someone can figure it out when they're three drinks deep on with no dinner. Like, <laughs> And well, it's so like, it's me being like... It's like when like uh, big comics are working out a new set and someone fucking like records it and puts it out. And they're like, like what the... F- you hear them get mad about it because it's just like this is me trying new shit like this isn't really for i'm i'm at a certain level this isn't for that anymore like when you're trying new shit it's like why would you don't you don't want that presented to the world because you're trying to like hone it in and it's like you have it's it's a weird it's a weird job because you're like you're you have to publicly work out whether or not it's funny it could be the funniest fucking thing in the world to you and then if it's not getting laughs after five sets, so you're like, okay, now I, I have to move on. I have to do something different. I have to tweak it. I have to, I have to figure out how to make this accessible. And when people like try to like put that out too early or they stick to it because they think they have like this, they have like the upper hand or they think they have this idea of what's funny and that everyone else doesn't understand. It's just not, that's that it doesn't really seem to work out too well. Well, you have to be open to uh, change. I mean, but most of the best jokes out there, or at least the bits that are the best, take a while to work out. I have one that I'm still like, it goes in waves where you're like, oh, I think I got it figured out. You're like, ah, it's kind of cutting back or in front of this kind of audience. It doesn't hit the way I want it to. Um, But I have a joke and I I have a version of it up on, on some of my socials, but just about Roe v. Wade and uh being overturned and how i'm like ah, i think it's going to be a positive thing ultimately and like just the direction i take it in definitely alienated audiences at first and it still does but it took time for me to come up with like how many lines do i need and what way do i need to present it what way do i need to say this uh convey this sentiment that is digestible and gets you on my side and conveys while also keeping it light enough um 
I mean, I can might as well say like I was the 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 point the initial thought that made me laugh was just going like, oh yeah, Roe v. Wade getting overturned sucked, but it's going to be progress because we're going to have more women as domestic terrorists now. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be which is a, women protesting abortion. <laughs> Dude, Luke, thanks so much for joining us. This has been a great time, man. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah. Uh, where is there? Where do you want to direct people towards so they can find your comedy online, uh, find you on social media? Uh, just look up my name, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, all the stuff, all the things. Just Luke Severide, L-U-K-E. Luke Severide, S-E-V-E-R-E-I-D, like the word severed with an I before the D. Think Star Wars, <laughs> chopping off a hand, blah, blah, severed. blah. Everyone's very metal, part. very metal. Very oh. metal. Well, I mean, his hand was afterwards. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Man, well, yeah, thanks again, man. This has been a great time. Uh, everyone listen. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time.